0: The Justice Department is suing Steve Wynn. the former CEO of Nguyen Resorts, is accused of acting as a Chinese agent and lobbying then-President Trump. Shanghai's lockdown is causing a drug supply shortage in the U.S. The Chinese city's production has slowed to a halt as workers isolate at home. A lobby group says U.S.-China decoupling would carry a heavy price tag. That's despite the Chinese market's lockdown-driven slowdown. And a video of a Chinese state media journalist is getting attention online. The clip shows her walking through a U.S. shopping center while saying the country has a long way to go before life is back to normal. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we start, a quick thank you to today's sponsor, Shenyuan Performing Arts. Have you ever wondered what China was like before the Communist Party took over in 1949? This show depicts just that. Yin showcases China's rich cultural heritage and what the regime destroyed, which is why the performance is banned in China. Captivating and uplifting, Yin brings to life the legendary heroes of old, portraying the spirituality and deep wisdom present in ancient Chinese tradition. Get your tickets today at xinyan.show slash ChinaInFocus. Enter the code CNInFocus with no spaces to waive ticket fees. The Justice Department is suing Steve Nguyen, the former CEO of Nguyen Resorts. Officials accuse him of acting as a Chinese agent and lobbying then-president Donald Trump at Beijing's request in 2017, even though that alleged lobbying wasn't successful.
1: The Justice Department's civil lawsuit filed Tuesday alleges Nguyen acted as an agent for the Chinese regime, lobbying Trump out of a desire to protect his business interests in Macau. That city is home to a Nguyen Resorts luxury hotel and casino. The suit states that the former Nguyen Resorts CEO asked then-President Trump to cancel the visa of an unnamed Chinese businessperson who had sought asylum in the U.S., that business person left China in 2014 and was charged with corruption by Chinese officials. The lawsuit also seeks to force Wen to register as an agent of China under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, also known as FARA. The Justice Department alleges it had advised Wen to register under FARA at least three times, but that he had declined to do so. They say Wen acted on behalf of Sun Lijun, a former vice minister in China's Ministry of Public Security and that he had multiple discussions with senior White House officials about organizing a meeting with Sun and other Chinese representatives. Wynn's lawyers have denied the allegations. They argue he never acted as an agent of Beijing and had no obligation to register under Farah. They also disagreed with the department's legal interpretation of Farah and said they look forward to proving their case in court.
0: The Wall Street Journal reported on another detail about the case, saying the unnamed Chinese business person Steve Wynn reportedly asked Trump to send back to China was Guo Wengui. The billionaire businessman left China in 2014 and applied for asylum in the U.S. He hasn't been extradited. The Chinese regime accused him of bribery and money laundering, both of which he denied. Guo has advocated for democracy and freedom, and some see him as a dissident. But some of his actions remain controversial, including when he attacked other Chinese dissidents living in the U.S. Even when the West is scrambling to counter Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the Chinese communist regime is still a pressing issue on the table. The U.S. at Washington and Europe should stand together. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Tuesday urged Europe to take a united approach to checking China and its business practices. We have a common interest in incentivizing China to refrain from economic practices that have disadvantaged all of us. These practices range from those affecting trade and and investment to development and climate policies to approaches to provide debt relief to countries facing unsustainable debt burdens. Yellen added that both the U.S. and Europe should find ways to work with China. Where we share common interests, we should all find ways to engage with China and express our views. And China is more likely to respond favorably if it cannot play one of us off against the other. Yellen made the comment in a speech delivered to an economic forum, part of the European Union, that's ahead of a meeting in Germany between finance ministers from G7 Allied nations. A lack of medical supplies in China is causing a major shortage in the US. China's stockpile has dwindled, while medical manufacturing facilities in Shanghai have been closed. Production inside the trade hub has been paused for nearly two months. Some U.S. hospitals are having a hard time sourcing iodinated contrast media productions, known as ICM drugs. They're a type of positive contrast agent, or dye, that x-rays can't penetrate. So after taking ICM drugs, patients' organs and blood vessels become clearly visible via x-ray or CT scans. Shanghai says it aims to lift the citywide lockdown, but the situation might not be easing so soon. Chinese Communist Party head Xi Jinping recently said China will stay resolute with its zero COVID-19 policy. Based on a statement earlier this week, the Greater New York Hospital Association anticipates an 80% supply reduction will continue for at least six weeks. Addressing the issue, it urges doctors to conserve the medical dye or find other alternative treatments. More than 40 cities in China are under partial or full lockdown. That accounts for almost 30 percent of China's economic output. The U.S. needs to make real plans with China on an issue-by-issue basis. That's according to what a U.S. lobby group said on Tuesday. The America Chamber of Commerce in China, also known as AmCham China, says it opposes any outright decoupling effort between the U.S. and China. The group voiced that stance in its latest white paper. Adding that the cost of decoupling would be huge, and there would be no clear winner afterward. AmCham China is a nonprofit organization. It has 4,000 members from 900 different companies across China. The organization strives to help American companies through advocacy and networking, boosting their chances at success in the country. Besides decoupling, the chamber also touched on other areas, like suggesting policy that would facilitate bilateral trading, something it called mutually beneficial. That's as concerns about China's economy and industry grow, as the country holds on to strict lockdowns and virus restrictions. Amcham China's president predicted that in the coming years, investment into China will most likely decline, and the chamber's chairman said China's business environment has become a lot less predictable. The chamber's latest survey appeared to back up those predictions. According to the poll conducted from late April to early May, over half of AmCham China's member companies have cut revenue projections for this year. And over 60% of them have suffered supply chain disruptions. A report from Chinese state broadcaster CCTV is getting some attention. In the clip, a CCTV reporter is speaking on camera from what appears to be a U.S. shopping plaza. The reporter is the only one seen wearing a mask, a contrast to the surrounding shoppers and store owners. While walking through the crowd, the reporter addresses the pandemic in the U.S., saying the worst is yet to come. She also quotes a list of numbers predicting that if the new virus variant were to appear, almost 80% of Americans would get infected and that as many as 260,000 Americans would die because of it. The reporter also took note of how masks are becoming a less common sight.
2: 微博是真的已經走出了疫情,還是在繼續走向疫情的深淵?這一切可能只有鮮活的數據在講述著事情的真相。
0: The report has already generated a number of comments on social media. Some of them imply that the only unusual aspect about the clip is the reporter herself, not the fact that those around her are maskless. One comment with more than 600 likes takes another approach. It reads, The U.S. is defenseless against a media that blatantly fabricates fake news, just allows it to rush in and do whatever at will. Investigators of the China Eastern Airlines crash are looking at whether it was due to intentional action by someone on the flight deck. There is no evidence so far of a technical malfunction. On Tuesday, a Wall Street Journal report cited U.S. officials who said flight data from one of the plane's black boxes
3: showed someone in the cockpit intentionally crashed the plane. The incident was mainland China's deadliest air disaster in decades, killing all 123 passengers and nine crew members on board. Jet maker Boeing, the US National Transportation Safety Board and the Chinese Embassy in Washington declined to comment. NTSB investigators travelled to China to assist with the probe and helped review black box data at a US lab in Washington. The Boeing 737-800 was on a short flight in southern China before it took rapid descent and crashed in a mountain range in the province of Guangxi. Authorities have said the pilots did not respond to repeated calls from air traffic controllers and nearby planes during the plunge. China Eastern could not immediately be reached for comment on Tuesday, but the Wall Street Journal reported that the airline said in a statement that no evidence emerged that could determine whether or not there were any problems with the aircraft. In a summary of its preliminary crash report in April, Chinese regulators did not point to any technical recommendations on the 737-800, which has been in service since 1997 with a strong safety record, according to experts. On Wednesday morning, screenshots of the Wall Street Journal story appeared to be censored on China's Twitter like platform Weibo and messaging app WeChat. The hashtag topics China Eastern and China Eastern Black Boxes were banned on Weibo, and users are unable to share the story in group chats on WeChat. The Wall Street Journal published a new update on China's Eastern airplane
0: crash. The new report states the disaster was intentional. The story sparked immediate buzz in China, but it wasn't long before discussion about it appeared to get censored. A hashtag translated as China Eastern MU5735 disappeared from social media site Weibo, with many comments about the U.S. assessment seemingly deleted. One internet user responded, Even if my account gets blocked after I post this, there is no reason to stay in the Chinese network. What is there to say? Is there any truth on the Chinese internet? He went on to add. The idea that the Chinese people are the hardest working and most disciplined who never get into trouble will be the only voice heard on Chinese websites. The average personal income in China is much lower compared to in the U.S. In the end, it's ironic that we need the U.S. to reveal the truth for us Chinese. Until now, not a single Chinese media outlet has responded to or even opposed the Wall Street Journal's report. Social media took notice of this too. Addressing the rare situation, one Chinese internet user said, so not a single media outlet inside the wall has reported on the Eastern Airlines News. The comment refers to China's Great Firewall, an internet blockade the Chinese regime uses to restrict the flow of information. A comment under that post reads, there is only one media outlet inside the wall, while another reply asked, where's the real media inside the wall? It's all propaganda led by official media outlets shanghai says it's going back to normal but residents are poking holes in those reports a clip on social media shows a group of people holding signs with music playing parading down the street it's one of many clips depicting celebrations alongside reports that the city is finally lifting its lockdown but midway through the video a resident stops the celebrators The man repeatedly asks the paraders why they're claiming the lockdown is over when people in the area are still stuck at home. Similar reports have also shown up on state media. On Monday, state media shared photos showing that the city is gradually coming back to normal. The images highlight supermarkets packed with goods, people going back to work and public transportation running again. Local authorities in Shanghai also took to social media, writing on Weibo that the city is going back to normal starting Monday. But the media reports quickly drew backlash from Shanghai residents. And many of the state media reports have been reported to China's anti-fraud regulator. One social media comment seems to sum up the sentiment. It reads, we live in the Xinguin every day. That's the name of a state media daily news program. The station has a reputation for delivering propaganda and for trying to brainwash Chinese people. Another comment, this time on Twitter, says everyone knows the bar in Shanghai has been lifted except Shanghai residents. It goes on to say, quote, don't ask me how I know I am in Shanghai. Coming up, capital keeps flowing out of China, a trend that's continued for three months in a row. China has stopped releasing data and is now refusing to say whether foreign investors are selling off Chinese bonds. Find out more after the break here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Are investors selling their Chinese bonds? And is China trying to hide it? The country's main bond trading platform has quietly stopped reporting that data. NTD's Don Ma looks into
2: it. The China foreign exchange trade system quietly stopped releasing data on bond transactions. Basically, they stopped telling people whether foreign investors were selling off Chinese bonds. This exchange is China's main bond trading platform, and now people are totally in the dark whether foreign investors are taking their money out of China's debt market. It's absolutely not
4: normal. The reason for potentially not releasing the data would be that if the data showed a very significant outflow from Chinese bonds on the behalf of foreign investors, it could potentially create
2: a bit of a panic. The Chinese yuan weakened over the last month, so it may not be a stretch to assume that China in April saw outflows of Chinese bonds from foreigners. So then could China be purposely hiding data of outflows of foreign capital? Brian McCarthy, chief strategist at MacroLens, says it's possible, but he doesn't want to jump to a conclusion right now. It wouldn't be the first time. They just sort of stopped releasing data that looked
4: unattractive. But again, given what's gone on with the uh, the, the COVID-0 shutdowns in Shanghai and elsewhere, I just think it's, it's a little early to say.
2: But McCarthy says if we don't get the data by next month, then he would potentially conclude that China is purposely hiding important data. According to sources, bond trade data is still being released for domestic investors. It's only the trade data for foreign investors that's not being published. Don Ma, NTD News.
0: Foreign investors sold about $2.4 billion worth of Chinese bonds in April. It marks the third month in a row that investment has poured out of China. With COVID-19 cases on the rise, a growing list of Chinese cities are turning to mass testing as a way to help stop the spread. In Beijing, over 3 million residents have went through three rounds of mass testing. Similar measures have been announced elsewhere. Northern China's Liaoning Province, central China's Zhenzhou City, the southern technology hub Shenzhen, and the east coast city of Hanzhou are some of them. Chinese authorities use mass virus testing as a way to prevent infection spread. Those who test positive will likely be sent to quarantine hotels or makeshift hospitals, so they don't infect others. But regular rounds of mass testing could take quite a chunk out of China's pocket. That's according to an analyst at Socho Securities, a Chinese financial service firm. He estimates that if China regularly tests over 5 million residents for a year, that cost could hit over $200 billion. That's about 1.5% of China's GDP. That's a sizable price tag for Beijing. In comparison, tax income from China's top 500 companies totals just over $190 billion. The analyst warns that costs could put more pressure on local authorities' finances. Many local government branches, which operate under the regime, are already strained. That's because of tax cuts and increased infrastructure spending. As for covering the cost, the analyst suggests one option could be issuing special treasury bonds to raise the funds for mass testing. Joining us to shed light on the impact Beijing's draconian lockdown measures is having on the economy, not just in China, but around the world, is Anders Kaur, publisher of the journal of political risk. Anders, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you back on the show.
4: Thanks so much.
0: So right now with the lockdowns in China, it's kind of having an unprecedented effect, right? Factories are closed, it's even impacting Tesla and Apple supplies, and it's also impacting the global supply chain. So because of that, a lot of foreign companies are thinking of relocating. So how do you see this impacting China's economy?
4: You know, business people are are watching this in awe and uh, upset. And I think it's, you know, part of the problem is that, you know, the Communist Party has a control obsession, and then you've got, uh, you know, entire factories that are shut down. Um, supply chain, the supply chain problems are reaching back into the United States. Uh, for example, a particular kind of a dye that's used for um, some medical procedures, some scanning, uh, is now unavailable. And so, even in the United States, because everything was sourced from China. Um, you know we're having to uh, reschedule some of the critical CAT scan type medical procedures uh, that that rely on this particular kind of dye uh, that was being manufactured in China. It just goes to show that um, supply chains really have to reorient away from countries that have totally irrational economic systems like uh, that imposed by the Chinese Communist Party on China. And move to countries that are friendly, that are democratic, in order to uh, and are more reliable um, in the long term.
0: With Omicron being less deadly but more transmissible, why is China the only country kind of sticking with that zero COVID policy? Like, why do you think Xi Jinping is holding on to this policy?
4: I think it does have to do with uh, Xi Jinping's approach to um, politics. His communist ideology that says that control is the way to deal with problems. I mean, this goes back all the way to Mao Zedong, who tried to kill all the sparrows in the country, um, totally failed, caused a, an economic disaster in the process with his many uh, failing economic strategies. And um, I think he's just authoritarian by nature. He's also looking to have a third term. Now, he can't admit that he made a big mistake, two big mistakes, uh, which were not using the uh, Western-offered mRNA vaccines um, and uh, using this massive lockdown uh, during Omicron when the lockdowns are just totally ineffective against Omicron. Um, So, you know, these are massive mistakes. If he admitted them, if if he lightens up, Um, then he would likely have to, uh, you know, it, it would hurt his prospects for a third term. Um, which he's, you know, is very, very important to him.
0: Anders, with the sweeping lockdowns in China, with many foreign companies thinking of leaving, we kind of saw something similar in 1989 Was the Tiananmen Square massacre. But a few years after that, many big companies went back to China. So this time around, what are some of the similarities or differences you think might play out?
4: In Tiananmen, um, there was really only a reputation issue. So... Countries that uh, pulled out of China after Tiananmen Square um, were facing primarily reputational issues to go back in, and they were quite rapid actually in going back in. On the other hand, um, with the uh, current situation, um, there are many more issues. You've got the fact that there's no mRNA vaccines, which is going to lengthen uh, the problems that they have. There's the low uptake of vaccines with the elderly. Um, there's this faulty ideology of control that even if the companies go back into the country, they're going to have to deal with that. And we saw that with the tech crackdown, which is still going on. I mean, recently the Chinese Communist Party tried to saw that there was a tech crash, a stock market crash, uh, for all the tech companies um, in China because of the tech crackdown. And they tried to make amends of this by making statements, but then at the end they said again, you know, oh, but we want you to balance uh, development and security. We want, you know, they were putting it, putting the responsibility on the corporations uh, to make changes. So it's just an ideology that doesn't work. So regardless, even if you fix the COVID problem in China, companies now are increasingly realizing that the communist system that they're dealing with. Uh, isn't it? It's not just Xi Jinping. It's not. It's the Communist Party and its ideology that goes back to the 1950s and 1920s when the Chinese Communist Party uh, was founded. And this ideology is one of control. It's one of takeover. Uh, it's ultimately completely averse to capitalism. It's averse to free markets. All of that will remain in place. Um, and then there's this wanting to save the story that autocracy is better than democracy.
0: Given all these different factors, Anders, what what is kind of the big risk to foreign companies in China then?
4: Well, the risk is there's very little upside. Um, It looks like there's a lot of upside if you do the calculations on how many customers, you know, if you want to sell a widget to 1.4 billion customers, that sounds like a lot of money. But the reality is that as you put your widgets in China, uh, they're going to require that you build your widgets in China They're going to steal the technology. They're going to create other companies that uh, then use that stolen technology to outcompete you in China. The regulations and taxes are going to be skewed to help the Chinese companies and hurt um, American or Western or any foreign companies.
0: Anders, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you on the show.
4: Thank you very much.
0: That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusatntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow.
1: Presenting the heritage of traditional Chinese martial arts, promoting martial ethics and reviving the true tradition. The 2022 NTD International Traditional, Traditional Chinese Martial Arts Competition Preliminaries will be held in New York and Taiwan. On August 28th, the finals will be broadcast live, online, worldwide. Registration hotline, 1-884-779-228. For more information, please visit martialarts.ntdtv.com.